Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today with our over 600,000 listeners here in the United States and over 60,000 listeners overseas. We are just so thankful for you, for you sharing us with your friends and family and associates. Now, today we've got some wonderful guests, some wonderful information. You know what? One of the things that's been lighting up our viewers line is this statistic about divorce during the COVID era. People are trying to figure out, hey, what do I do? How do I handle this? What's the tax situation? You know what? Don't worry. We have Brent Caspers uh, of a Northern California law firm. And you know what? He's going to be discussing the ins and outs. One of the cool things about Brent is his subject matter is he's a CPA and he's a family law attorney. So he's going to be able to answer all those questions. How, what do I got to do? How do I get started? How do I minimize costs? How do I, you know, prevent the impact or reduce the impact on my business? What if one of my employees is getting divorced? How do I deal with that? Lots of good stuff there. Hey, I'm going to be talking about estate planning 101. What are the documents you need to have? And you know what? Last but not least, we're going to get started. You know what? I just want to say this, you know what? Many seniors are wondering if they had enough money to last through the retirement. And, you know, quite frankly, they're leery of going into a retirement communities. Now it's even more so because of what's transpired with this COVID era. And so many seniors can't get long-term care insurance due to COVID. Many of these seniors may not realize that their home equity likely represents a large portion of their net worth. In fact, homeowners age 62 plus saw that the collective housing wealth increased, understanding how to strategically and tax efficiently incorporate the wealth into a comprehensive retirement income strategy may be the key to protecting you or your relatives from uh, prolong, uh, prolonging their nest egg with funds that they might need for long-term care. Now, we have Steve Sless. You know what? He's been written up in Forbes and many other magazines. You see him on social media. He's here to help us out with that. So this Next segment is very, very significant. Why? Because of our 600 plus thousand listeners, we've had so many people email in because they either know a friend or a family member that when going through this COVID issue, they're going through a divorce now and they have no idea what to do. They're like a deer in the headlights. They know they need to make the transition and they don't know how to get started. And it, it's no surprise that, you know, divorce is skyrocketing because, you know, you stick two people that weren't getting along in the first place in the same room for a long period of time. They're going to not get along even further. Now, if you're considering divorce, what are the steps you need to take? How do you minimize costs? How do you handle taxes during the proceedings? And once your divorce is actually final, 
You know, the cool thing here is we have Brett Caspers. Brett's uh, a managing partner and founder of Caspers Lugay uh, LLC. Uh, they have a unique skill set. Well, Brett's unique skill set is he's not only a family law attorney, he's a CBA. Now, this combination is really unique because it brings a wider range of skills to people who have high net worth, to people of regular worth. Um, and this insight brings big benefit to all of his clients and everybody listening today. So, Brett, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be here. Now, I always like to ask, I don't know too many CPA attorneys, so I'm curious how you went and got started. You know, our viewers love to hear why, you know, why would somebody get started in the profession that they're in? It's probably going to be one of the more entertaining things I'm going to say, you know, uh, as far as how I backed into that, I guess. I guess I was just a glutton for punishment, you know, and pain. Um, short story on this, though, is my mom was an accountant. Um, so I felt like, hey, you know, I'll get a good job out of a, uh, out of undergrad and I'll be accountant. I'll be an accountant. And, uh, you know, I did that. And I realized very quickly when I started my my private you know, practice, uh, I, I just did not like accounting. So I went through, got the CPA exam and said, hey, there's got to be something else better out here. Decided that I wanted to go to law school. I thought, hey, well, this will be a good, you know, a good uh, uh, launch or runway here for three years where I can actually figure out what I want to do. And so I just kind of combined the two disciplines, got out and started practicing tax litigation for a law firm out here in, in uh, San Francisco. And, um, you know, I realized that that was kind of boring. You know, it was intellectually stimulating, but tax is just not you know, it's not great to talk, you know, talk to uh, people at cocktail parties about. Um, so I kind of wanted to get back into something where I could actually help, you know, people, you know, that sounds hokey to say, but I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. And I felt like, hey, look, you know, I like the adversarial, you know, scenario of going to court, you know, trying to win, but I like the, I like the idea of helping people and being able to talk to them. You know, I mean, insurance companies that have tax problems or banks that have tax problems, they're, they're not very fun to have a cocktail with you know, or talk about their issues. Um, so that's really how I got into it. I guess it's kind of like water going down a, down a hill, trying to find the path of least resistance. And, you know, that's, uh, I guess, how I ended up doing this. But uh, quite pleased that, uh, you know, I, I, I backed into this. You know, I think it's wonderful to hear about everybody's path they take because they're all different. So it's kind of cool. Hey, if you found your superpower, that's the way, that's, that's the reason why you're on the show. So, so first question somebody is considering divorce okay what did they need to do to prepare what's the big real first step that somebody should take i i think the first thing they should say and i mean i'm not i'm not doing a plug here for my firm or you know anybody's firm i think they should consult with uh with a family law attorney i think that's one thing we realized when we started uh you know when we started our practice is a lot of the people that are considering a divorce and want the initial consultation haven't discussed it with anybody, any anybody in their uh, internal circle, and because they don't want to let they don't want to let the cat out of the bag. They don't want to feel like a failure. You know, you're talking to your mom or your dad, and you know it's humbling. And so I think go and have a consultation. You know, with at least one attorney to see what you're up against. You know, some of the things that attorney will tell you is, hey, look, it's a methodical, it's a methodical process. Statutorily, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hurdles and roadblocks, you know, as far as disclosures and things like that. So nothing's going to happen fast. I mean, the cheese isn't going to slide off the cracker. The other side's not going to run away with the, you know, the money and leave you high and dry. It's going to be methodical. The keys really are, 
sort of trying to keep things as amicable as possible. That's tough to do. Um, and uh, trying to mitigate, you know, mitigate drama and keeping the emotions in check. And those are hard to do, um, you know, depending on the facts, whether there are kids involved, whether there's, you know, um, cheating involved, all of those things sort of contribute. And um, biggest thing is to try to compartmentalize and keep your life on track. Don't pick up bad habits such as drinking or drugs, which are, you know, easy for people to do that are going through a low patch. Um, and that's that's really what I tell people. And people step back usually in this consultation. And they're like, come on, what's the secret sauce? What do I do? Do I, you know, hide money? Do I move money? You really got to play with your cards face up. Best part is, you know, the best thing that I can recommend is try to keep things amicable as much as possible and, you know, try to keep the emotions low. Okay. So if somebody's talking to an attorney, what type of questions should they be asking? Well, they should be asking, um, you know, how big is the practice? I mean, how many attorneys are here? Do they have paralegals? Um, I, you know, we've run into pretty, you know, um, we've run into plenty of opposing counsels that are sole practitioners that are great attorneys. They just don't have the bandwidth to deal with very many cases. So it's hard to get them on the phone. So you want somebody that you can contact, whether it be, you know, the assistant, the paralegal. So one, you know, is it a reasonably decent sized firm? Two, do they have some sort of financial, you know, expertise, some knowledge about finances? A lot of lawyers go through law school because they, they weren't good at math. And, you know, that's kind of a big factor when you're starting, when you're talking about dividing assets in a family law matter. Um, they may know the law, but it may, they may struggle with that component of it. So if it's a, a complicated case where you're talking about a closely held family business, you're going to have to involve forensic accountants. And this person may not have the abilities to utilize that. Um, so I think those are, those are the questions to ask straight away. I think, um, you know, do they practice in this, you know, jurisdiction where the, where the case is? Because there's family law attorneys all over California. I think it's good to have someone that, you know, knows the court system in the county that you're, you're practicing in. So um, we have about 30 seconds real quick before you have to go to sure. break. How important it is to know the court system in the jurisdiction? I think depending if it's a, if it's a, like Los Angeles County, I don't think it's as big of a deal. If it's if you're talking about uh, you know um, Napa County, I think it's a bigger deal because you know people know each other there. The judges know know the attorneys that are practicing. So I think it sort of depends on the, the population size. Okay, great. Hey everybody, look, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with more Brett Caspers here in just one moment. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. 
To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. If you'd like to go check out all the replays, you can go to www.savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and uh, insight on Saving with Steve, you can always go to our website at savingwithsteve.us. I also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel or Spotify channel or Google Play. And hey, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio, New York City, E360 TV and more. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit and live a life of personal and financial freedom. So if you'd like to join us on Facebook, you can always go to the savingwithsteve.us. And if you have questions like the questions that I'm going to be asking Brent right now have come from viewers at savingwithsteve.us. And you know what? People are going to get their questions answered. All you got to do is go to that website or that email at viewers at savingwithsteve.us and ask your question. We'll find you a subject matter expert. Okay. So Brent, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Steve. Good to be here again. Now, biggest question is costs. How does somebody go about minimizing fees during a divorce? Yeah, there's a couple of components to this. Um, it's 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 hard to do. Um, it's hard to control the other side and what the cost could be because um, you're sort of bound at the hip. Even though you're going through the divorce, you're dividing assets. Um, the costs are a function of really how well the parties can work together to come to an agreement. The quicker you guys can come, the quicker the parties can come to an agreement. Um, the cheaper it's going to be. There's less work for the attorneys. If the attorneys are drug into a trial, you can imagine there's a lot more, there's a lot more billable work for the attorneys. Um, so you can't control everything. Unilaterally, what you can control though is when the attorney reaches out to you, make sure you're providing quick responses um, and accurate responses. Uh, we have clients that I have to reach out to four or five times. And I, I charge them for each time I try to, you know, talk to them. Um, and so that's that's the way you can unilaterally control your costs. But the frustrating thing is if the other side is being you know contentious, it's hard to it's hard to be able to control everything. Okay, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of emotion in there and then emotion plus money. That's right. Understanding taxes, you know what? You're still married, you're going through a divorce. How should somebody be looking at the taxes? And the next question that follows that is, hey, the divorce is final now. You know what? What should be what should you be paying attention to when it comes to the taxes? So I'm putting you on the C, uh, the CPA hat here. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so there's really only a couple of ways you can you can file taxes during the pendency of a divorce. And you know, I'll start by saying you know the pendency of a divorce can be anywhere from six months to you know, fifteen years. So you could be going through that process for a while. Um, so you can file married filing separately or married filing jointly. Those are your two options. Typically, parties during a marriage that's going well, they'll file they'll file married filing jointly because you get better tax deductions and you know better tax benefit by doing that. Now, what I tell clients when they're going through a divorce is, hey, are you concerned about the other sides? You know, how are they running a closely held business? Are they being overly aggressive on deductions? Things where the IRS could come back into the picture and audit them and say, hey, you know what, you were wrong on your taxes, you owe us penalties and interest. If that's the case, if you're concerned about that, then I would highly recommend filing married filing separately during the pendency of the divorce. 
because you're jointly and severally liable for taxes if you file married filing jointly. So if you're concerned about that, file married filing separately and you're you're out of the clear or you're in the clear. Now, when the divorce is done, you don't have the option. You're either, you know, you're either single, head of household, um, you know, you don't have the option to file married anymore. So it's sort of that's your your cards are dealt to you there. Um, now, what I would recommend, a lot of people have the concern that, you know, one of the spouses is the financial, you know, provider for the for the unit and they make all the decisions, you know, who the CPA is, who the uh, investment bankers are, those kinds of things. So when you get divorced, you might look into getting your own CPA, splitting it up and going a different direction. And I, I think a lot of people do that anyways, just intuitively, but that's, you know, kind of what I recommend. Get a, get a, get a, get a different professional service provider and that, you know, you're not, uh, you don't have your old CPA looking over your books and your ex-husband's or your ex-wife's books. That's, that's, that's great because um, I've dealt with a few clients who've been through divorce and they did keep the CPA or the, and, or the attorney. And after a period of time, they just brought themselves to the realization. They felt like somebody was looking over their shoulder because they knew their husband was with that firm or their ex-husband was with that firm. So they just felt more comfortable moving on. So, well, you know, the truth be told, I mean, CPAs have their own ethical, you know, governing bodies that they have to deal with, too. So I don't really think you're going to be taken for a ride or you're going to be, you know, sold up. Oh, sold I agree with that. Battle. But, you know, it just a lot of people feel like they feel empowered, actually, to be able to go out and, you know, pick a person that maybe their spouse wouldn't allow them to do it because the spouse was making all the decisions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it can be cathartic in a, in a certain way. But yeah, I wouldn't be, you know, overly worried about it. But uh, those are things that people do look at and consider. Yeah, as a financial consultant, no, I wouldn't be worried about it. But sometimes it's the emotion side of things that's talking. So now, um, okay, so how to prevent your divorce from impacting your family business? This is a big question because we have a lot of female business owners on uh, that are listeners. And um, you know what, this, this is one of the ones that um, really came through the line a few times in many different forms. Well, I could I could talk about this for for an hour, so I'll try to I'll try to boil this down. All right, so if, a little less time than an hour. <laughs> right, right. So if 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 you have a business before the marriage, then that the equity in that business at the time of the marriage is separate property in California. Now, you know, hopefully this is you know I, I don't know where the viewers are viewing from, but I, I I really can only really speak to California law, so I should have said that initially, but. The, the equity in the business or the goodwill in the business before marriage is separate property. After the marriage, if there's not a prenuptial agreement in place and the business starts continues to grow, the spouse that's not part of the business could actually accrue an interest in the business. So if you're really wanting to protect that business going forward, then what you would need is you would need a prenuptial agreement you know, at, you know, at the start that would basically say, hey, look, our businesses, our incomes are separate property going forward. And that would preclude sort of the uh, the amalgamation of the community property interest. The idea behind the community property interest growing in a closely held business is, well, the, the proprietor of the business is working and they're giving away part of their selves to keep this business going, you know? So the other spouse is not seeing them as, as frequently. And so they get a benefit, you know, they, the spouse that's not running the business should get a benefit for the other spouse's business, because that spouse is away from the home. The other spouse is presumably handling the chores and details and things of that nature. So that's why there is 
sort of a community property interest that could grow that way. Um, I think a prenuptial agreement is the, is the best way to deal with that. That's excellent. That's, that's good advice. Okay. So what about, this is another question and I know LJ provided this to me, but this is an, another question that we're seeing from employers, how to prevent um, an employee's divorce from impacting your business. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I can see where this would come up. Um, you know, if if the employee, I, I'm assuming the employee doesn't have any ownership, or they, you know. no, not at all. Okay, so if the employee is having a tough go of it, um, you know, they're going to be emotionally, you know, drained. They're going to, it's going to impact their work, their life, like it would everyone else. And you know, I think the the owner, you know, or the employer has to be cognizant of this. You know, hopefully there's an open dialogue. Some employees don't tell you everything that's going on in their life. But, you know, if there is, I, I think the employer has to be cognizant of that. Similar as, you know, if someone maybe had COVID, right, they're going to need some downtime. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that you're, you know, you're, you're going to have to be cognizant of if you're an employer. Now, it, it's not going to really impact your business other than that employee maybe not being, you know, fully available, um, you know, and working as hard as they used to. But I mean, there's not going to be any repercussions for the, you know, for the business other than the employee's real effort. Okay. So here's one of the other questions that came through. Um, this is uh, one person, I won't mention names or anything, but um, she has a, a number of rental properties that were inherited prior to the marriage. And, you know, they were, they've been married for about seven, eight years, or he, she's looking at going through divorce. Um, will she be able to keep those or does she have to split them with the, the husband? How, how would that work? Well, as a general premise in California, inherited properties, inheritances are always separate property. So it doesn't matter if it happened before the marriage, during the marriage, you know, it, it, it's, it's separate property. The problem that people run into, for instance, if you're talking about something fungible like cash, so you got cash from your, your, uh, your mother when she passed away. You put that into a community bank account. Well, it's still separate property, but now you've commingled it in a community bank account. Now, you, you're, if you're talking about real property, like you know, real estate, it's much harder to commingle. So, I would say that she has the, a very strong argument that that is all separate property all the way through. Okay, perfect. Okay, perfect. The I'm, problem with real estate, real quick. Problem with real estate, real quick, though, Steve is. You know, you 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 have you inherit a property, and then oh well, this property needs to be you know needs a new kitchen. So then you use community funds to repair the kitchen, and now you've created a you know a a separate property asset and a community property interest in that separate property asset. So that's where it gets a little convoluted for some people. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's great. Um, okay, so. The next one is a question of somebody who's considering divorce. The nice thing about my my viewers line is, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. It's nobody knows. Uh, so um, husband has an, well, she has an IRA and she's considering divorce. She's the money, the, the money earner. And okay. she's likely to have to split things, provide alimony and all that stuff. How does it work if she's splitting her IRA or 401k? Will it be a tax impact? How does that work in divorce? Well, there's there's an, uh, the way it's typically done is there's a qualified domestic relations order that's after the uh, after the tallies are done and you're determined what you want to divide. Say, for instance, in California, you have 200,000 in a 401k. Okay, 
And all of that was contributed during the marriage. So husband gets husband's entitled to 100,000, wife is entitled to 100,000. So how do you divide that? There's a qualified domestics relations order where you file with the court. The court says, okay, granted. And that under that order, you can separate that without any sort of tax ramifications. If you don't file that and you don't go through that step and you separate, well, yeah, you're going to have early withdrawals and all kinds of tax penalties and things if you just do it on your own. You've got to have that qualified domestics relations order in place, filed with the court, which is really easy to get. I mean, it's just a step that a lot of people don't consider. It's kind of like, you know, the wealthy parties that know what they're doing, they get along well and they say, okay, well, you know what, I'll keep the house here. I'll take out, you know, I'll take out a million dollars from my IRA and you can have it today. And then they start realizing, okay, well, there's a lot of tax problems because they did that. They didn't follow that qualified domestics relations order. But in short, if you do, if you go through the protocol, there's no tax, there's no tax implications as long as you roll it over into another IRA for the other person. Perfect. You know what, Brent, I want to thank you for being here today. We've come to the end of our time. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of you at your firm at Casper and Lugai, um, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, the best way to get it is, is just through our website, www.casparlugai.com. And uh, it'll direct you to it'll direct you to our phone lines and um, you know our team. Hey, I want to thank you for being here, Brent. The information you provide is invaluable to our listeners, and I know they'll appreciate it because we're going to get some feedback here real soon. So thank you very, very much. And you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing you in the future and possibly having you uh, on again. Absolutely, Steve. It was my pleasure. All right. Have Have a good one. Be safe, be healthy. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Everybody, that was Brent Caspers from Casper and Lugai. By the way, if you need help to understand what's going on with divorce, or you just want a second opinion, look them up, get a hold of them. There's no reason why you can't go to the website at savingwithsteve.us and rinse and repeat this segment over and over again so you can get the information, the pearls of wisdom you need to make your life or your transition a little bit easier. Now, you wanna wanna stick with us. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna be talking about estate planning 101, and then we got Steve Sleps right after that. So hold on, we'll be back in a moment. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into the Saving with Steve show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on the Saving with Steve show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. I'm gonna be going through a bunch of stuff that is very important, okay? Number one, 
estate planning 101. What are the documents that you actually need to make your life work? Okay. First things first, you know what? In being in the business that I'm in as a financial consultant, I've seen many times, at least once or twice a year, maybe more, where we have family members of clients or family members that are clients come to us for help with their relatives. And the first ask for help typically comes when they're beginning to take over one of their relatives, you know, bills, expenses, because, you know, they're 85, 86, they've started having medical issues or um, losing faculties. And I mean, that's just a fact of life. But if you're getting involved with helping somebody out, meaning paying their bills, making sure they get to the doctors, making sure you, you have to have all the right documents for that. In order to do that, you need to know where those documents are. So the very first step is to start making a list of where things like a birth certificate is, a marriage certificate, your wills and trust, okay? Where are the bank accounts? I mean, just where are they located, okay? Then you want to make sure you have your financial advisor's name and phone number, your accountant's name and phone number, your will and trust attorney's name and phone number. Why? Because if somebody needs something, they can typically go to one of those professionals and they will likely have it. Now, that's the first step. The next step is to accumulate those documents. So bank accounts, insurance policies, investment accounts, all of those things need to be listed on where somebody can find them. A location where somebody that will be able to be your advocate has the ability to get into your passwords. Once you have those, you want to make sure that they're in a safe place or you provide them to somebody who might be your durable power of attorney over your health care or your finances or that successor trustee. So if you pass away or become incapacitated, they can take over the management of your trust. Now, one of the things that I recommend if you're looking at a last will and testament, okay, you want to make sure you have this document especially if you have kids under the age of 18, because it's going to tell who raises those kids, how they're raised, when they get money, okay? You get a list of, you know what, your personal property in there and who it goes to, all right? On your 401ks, you want to make sure you have the beneficiaries. This is very important because in a 401k, they have a primary beneficiary, which is the primary person that gets all your stuff, and a contingent beneficiary, which is the person who gets your stuff after that primary beneficiary is not in the picture anymore. And you know what? The best way to mess up things is to not have that done or have the wrong person. You know what? I just came into my office today, talked to an accounting professional, and somebody that person used to go out with almost three decades ago had listed her as the primary beneficiary as opposed to his kids to receive everything. Isn't that nuts? And guess what? She got a call from the gentleman's daughter and the gentleman's daughter says, hey, I need to get this information, the whole shot. Um, in fact, you know, the person I was talking to didn't even know that hadn't changed, okay? So obviously she plans to abdicate her role and say, hey, look, this guy owed me this much money. I want that. After that, you can have everything else. So it'll make it very, very easy. But you know what? 
if you have a 401k IRA or insurance policy or life insurance policy or a pension, those things are irrevocable when somebody passes away. So if there's no beneficiary for that pension, okay, guess what? Nobody gets it. If the ex-wife is on that pension as opposed to the new wife, guess what? The ex-wife gets it, not the new wife. Same thing for the life insurance, same thing for the 401k, the IRA, the annuities. So you want to make sure your beneficiaries are correct. In fact, I just met with somebody yesterday that we're going to have to change all the beneficiaries because they just have one person but don't have the child sitting as the, the, the contingent. Power of attorneys. This is really important. Hey, I'm in the state of California. If you don't have a power of attorney and are not able to make healthcare or financial decisions on your behalf and you don't have one, guess who gets to do it? The state of California. And if you love the way they're managed in the state of California, hey, no problems. But if you don't, you probably want to have somebody who loves you, who is open to making those decisions to help handle your finances, pay your taxes if you're not able to. And you also have a power of attorney over your health care. Now, the reality, if you get carted in, in an ambulance, uh, it's going to be the doctor and the insurance company is going to making your health care decisions for the ones you love. Not a good thing. And if you're incapacitated, it could be the state of California along with your insurance companies and the doctors. Now, if you have a power of attorney over health and you happen to be brought into a a, a crummy hospital, a person who's the power of attorney can have you move to a good hospital. They can fight with the insurance companies. The doctors are getting you the best possible treatment to save your life. Okay. So you want to make sure you have those documents now, and you want to make sure that means you want to have a trust, a will, a power of attorney, a durable power of attorney. Now, other things that are really important. Your proof of identity, such as your social security, marriage, birth, divorce certificates, prenuptial agreements, that also needs to be in a place that people get to, okay? So these are some things that you're going to need to have to make your life easy. If you'd like a complete list, you're going to want to go to the savingwithsteve.us website. Look for this episode. This is episode number 65. And you know what? There will be a link there where you can get an estate planning checklist, okay? So, hey, look. That's it for this segment. I want to thank you for being here today. We've got another segment coming up. We got Steve Slash. He's the reverse mortgage expert. He's going to teach people how they can leverage or maximize the equity in their real estate. So stick with us. We're going to be right back with some Steve Slash. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. 
Join me, Steve Sexton, on the Saving with Steve show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. Again, we're talking about the ins and outs of money. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, I encourage you to go to our Spotify, our YouTube, our Google Play channel so you never miss an episode. Check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, AMFM 247, All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of financial and personal freedom. Hey, you can follow us on Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton. Join the Insiders Club, get the guest gifts, backstage stuff. It's really cool. And, you know, take your experience to the next level. Our next up is Steve Sleff. Now, here's the biggest thing. Many seniors are worried about making things happen. Next day, last when they're in trial, it's one of the biggest concerns everybody has. You know what? What Steve's been able to do is he's been able to help people or educate people on how to get the most out of the equity in their home, especially now since the value's gone up. We've had we've seen things where people can't qualify for long term care because of COVID issues. The whole shot. So Steve Slash is going to help us through. Steve has nearly twenty years of mortgage industry experience, including 13 years devoted to reverse mortgage. He's one of the few reverse mortgage festivals to have earned the CLTC, the Certified Long-Term Care Designation, demonstrating that he has acquired uh, the knowledge to uh, educate the industry. He's become a leader in the industry by educating people through seminars, videos, the media. Steve is the go-to house wealth source for 2021, according to Yahoo Finance. In fact, he was named the reverse mortgage game changer by Yahoo Finance. So, Steve, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for this being this expert that we're calling on today. Likewise. Thank you for having me, Steve. Great to be with you. I just want to say this. Once we let people know that you were coming on the show, our viewer email just started blowing up. <laughs> but before we jump into this, I know you were in regular mortgages for a few years and you've been into reverse mortgages for about 15. Tell us your little story. Why did you transition into the reverse mortgage world? Yeah, I got into the mortgage business, uh, gosh, about 20 years ago now and spent the first few years of, of my mortgage career doing what most mortgage professionals do. And that's cash out refinances, purchases. At that point, there was a big subprime market and we were originating those loans as well. And I had to make a big decision 2007, 2008, when the housing bubble came crashing down, what was I going to do? Right At that point, the company that I worked for was not able to originate FHA loans. And that left me really unable to perform the business that I've come to know and love. And I had to make a very strategic decision at that point. And I had started researching reverse mortgages at the time, but I was in my young 20s and I had a lot of doubts that I would be able to engage with an older demographic. But through my research and through my studying, Steve, what I found was the reverse mortgage is such an incredible tool 
to protect and prolong one's retirement. And I jumped in head first. 15 years later, I haven't looked back in retrospect. It's the best career decision that I've ever made. I've dedicated myself to reverse mortgages and helping folks to live a better and more comfortable retirement ever since. And very grateful for making that decision a while back. Well, you know what? I think it's a noble service you provide. The key here is what I really like in looking at your videos is you educate people. A lot of people are concerned because they've been doing the same thing for decades and a reverse mortgage is something new. I have a lot of questions, but I would love for you just to briefly talk about how does a reverse mortgage work? Yeah. You know, Steve, what we teach more than anything else is the concept of integrating housing wealth into a comprehensive financial plan. Steve, for 74% of folks that are 62 years old, they're already short of their retirement income needs. However, a new report came out about a couple months ago. There is over $9 trillion in untapped equity of folks 62 and older in America. Over nine trillion dollars. And so that money is debt equity. It's not working for those folks. It's not doing it. It's just sitting there dormant. What we teach, Steve, is how to incorporate that equity strategically and tax efficiently with a reverse mortgage loan and use those funds is in most cases the client's largest asset. Use them proactively instead of reactively. And the result is we're able to extend their finances. We're able to extend the longevity of their investment portfolios. We're able to allow them to enjoy a better and more comfortable retirement. And we're able to make their money last longer because we're leveraging what is their largest asset, and that's the equity in their home. When it comes to a reverse mortgage, everybody's trying to figure out, hey, will it work for me? Am I a good candidate for this? You know, expand on that so people can say, hey, well, well, am I fit? Does it work? What? There's two different types of reverse mortgage. There's a HECM, a home equity conversion mortgage. Those are government-insured reverse mortgage loans. And I would say probably 95% of every reverse mortgage originated today is a HECM government-insured product. There's also now, Steve, been a lot of innovation on the proprietary reverse mortgage side. So private lenders, non-government-insured, are now rolling out reverse mortgage products. And most of these loans are jumbo reverse mortgages. They are for a higher net worth clientele. We can lend on a jumbo reverse mortgage up to $3 million in cash for homes valued all the way up to $10 million. Reverse mortgages work like this. You got to be at least 60 plus, you got to own your home, and you got to have roughly 50% equity. For folks that have a mortgage, one of the biggest benefits is we can replace their traditional mortgage with a reverse mortgage and eliminate the mandatory mortgage payment requirement. And so by doing that, we're able to extend their cash flow. We're able to free up cash flow, free up finances. And we can also, if they have enough equity to qualify, we can release funds to them from the equity in the home. And that can be done in a variety of ways. Folks can choose to take a 10-year payout, which is basically your home sends you a check every month until the funds are exhausted. There's also a term payout where you just say, hey, Steve, I need X amount of dollars and I need it for X amount of period of time, five years, 10 years, 15, so on and so forth. You can take a lump sum from your home equity or the most effective strategy is you can take out a reverse mortgage line of credit. And a reverse mortgage line of credit is very different than a traditional line of credit, Steve. One, they're federally insured. They can never be suspended, reduced, or frozen, irregardless of what the economy does or what the market does. 
That's big. These lines of credit also have a guaranteed growth rate attached to them. And so you're able to borrow more of your home equity every year the line of credit is in place. Let me ask you this question here. So when you talk about, because this is one of the questions my viewer asks, is they know that your line of credit will grow by a certain interest rate each year. Is it based off the equity that you have that is available to be withdrawn? And that partial grows, providing you haven't taken money out from that or? The line of credit has a, a set growth rate. And, and, and what's important to point out too is this is a growth rate. It's not interest. So think of it as a credit card where your limit is being increased each year. Okay, the growth good. rate on the line of credit is 0.5% over the interest rate on the loan. So today's interest rates on reverse mortgages are about two and a half, three percent uh, Figure the growth rate is going to be 3 to 3.5% on any unused portion of the line of credit. Okay. So as you draw funds out, obviously, you don't get any growth on the funds that you're pooling, but any funds that you leave and let sit in the line of credit uh, we call it a standby line of credit because you can just park it, put it in reserve, put it on standby. Those funds grow over time and you just treat it no different than any traditional line of credit and you draw from it if and when you need it. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So I think one of the big things there is that it can't be taken away. It can't be reduced. So that means if once the foreclosures and all that stuff comes to bear and the market values go down, even though somebody got a reverse mortgage today, say their equity line is 200,000 and maybe their house is only worth 200,000, they can't take that away. It's not like a credit card where they re they can reduce your 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 credit limit. Exactly. And think back, Steve, to 08, 09, when the housing market crashed, you had a lot of folks, a lot of these folks were over 60. They had traditional home equity lines of credit. They thought they had access to $100,000, $200,000 or more in some cases. And the bank came back and said, you know what? You know, we're not going to let you borrow that money anymore. And that wrecked a lot of people's retirement plan. That cannot happen with reverse mortgages. Because the line of credit is federally insured, it is guaranteed. You're also, Steve, able to borrow on today's market value. We're in a booming housing economy right now. I mean, there's bidding wars on homes. You know, yeah. it, it, in some cases, homes don't even make the market and there's a bidding war already. And so values are soaring. You can take out a reverse mortgage line of credit today and lock in today's value. You and I were talking about this before the show came on. It's in all likelihood, values are going to at least level off, if not go down. So too is the market, the economy. And so it's a great hedge against future market corrections, being able to lock that line of credit in and do it at today's value not future values and know that that value is guaranteed. Steve, that's wonderful. Hey, look, this is great information. We're going to take a quick break. Guys, stick with us. We got to pay some bills. We'll be right back with more Stephen Sless. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. 
Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's The Saving with Steve Show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to The Saving with Steve Show. I want to truly thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends, family, and associates know about the show. All the replays are available here at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information, insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apple Play, and Spotify channel. Hey, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to live a life of financial and personal freedom. Also, you can follow us at Facebook at Saving with Steve section if you'd like some more financial tips. So here we come back with Steve Sless. We've got a slew of questions here. So we're just going to get started. There's pros and cons to anything. What's the downside of a reverse mortgage? What's the con side? You know, I think it really starts in the beginning. It's all about suitability. And so when somebody comes to us, Steve, and they say, hey, I'm interested in learning about a reverse mortgage, there's first an educational journey that we need to take them on. We're also trying to figure out ourselves, are they suitable? First question we ask, Steve, is how long do you want to live in the home for? If somebody were to say three years, four years, it's probably not a great fit. And so there would be a downside there. I think the barrier to entry, the cost to take out a reverse mortgage loan is probably too great at that point if you're only going to be in the house for a few years. This is a long-term solution to living a comfortable retirement and doing so aging in place in the comfort of your own home. Another downside, and it's not necessarily a downside, it really depends on what your viewpoint of this is. Reverse mortgages are loans that have negative amortization, which means that if you make no payments, and Steve, you can treat a reverse mortgage no different than a traditional mortgage. If you want to make payments, you certainly have the, the right to be able to do so. But a lot of folks choose not to make monthly mortgage payments. And if you choose not to make a monthly mortgage payment, your balance each month is going to increase. A lot of folks are fearful of that. They're fearful of their balance increasing. What we teach, Steve, is, look, the home is a low growth potential asset. If you have a financial advisor that is managing your money and that money is well diversified, it's in the right market, it's invested well, chances are that advisor is yielding you, you know, seven to ten, six to ten percent returns right now. Historically, the home appreciates at one to four percent per year. And so we teach use the home equity first instead of using the retirement assets first and combine all of your assets. But a lot of folks are a little hesitant because they're fearful of their balance rising over time. And look, at that point, you have to become educated, you got to become empowered, and ultimately you got to make the best and most astute financial decision for you. Let's clear up some of the misinformation. Sure. Now, can somebody lose their house with reverse mortgage? You cannot lose your house because you have a reverse mortgage. That, that's a huge misconception. And if we have time, Steve, a, a quick backstory. So prior to 2015, if you were over 62, you had equity in your home and you had a pulse, you had blood pumping through your body, you could get a reverse mortgage. Mm -hmm. There was no credit qualifications. There was no income qualifications. And so the result was 
you had a lot of folks that were already of destitute. They had already run out of money and they were using the reverse mortgage as a last resort. The reverse mortgage just prolonged the inevitable. It prolonged their ability to remain in the home, but it was inevitable. They were going to lose their home because they just couldn't afford it. They didn't have enough income to pay the taxes and the insurance. Those are the qualifications of the reverse mortgage. Got to pay your homeowner's insurance. You got to pay your property taxes and you got to maintain the home. If you default on any of those requirements, you will lose your home. But that's no different. Look, if you have a regular mortgage or even no mortgage at all, Steve, and you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get foreclosed on. You're going to lose your home. But by having a reverse mortgage, you cannot lose your home simply by having the loan. Here's the other question. What happens, for example, we've got the market screaming up right now with the housing market, everybody wants to buy and all the supply line issues. I get a reverse mortgage. It's a $600,000 reverse mortgage. The market goes down and my house is actually worth $300,000 and I pass away. What are the options my heirs have? It's a great question. So all reverse mortgages are non-recourse loans. Non-recourse means there's no recourse and there's no debt passed to your heirs or your estate that they have to come out of pocket and pay. So at the time of your death, your heirs are going to have the option to buy the house for 95% of the appraised value at the time. They can also walk away. If there's more owed on the reverse mortgage than what the home is worth, they can walk away and the non-recourse component kicks in. The Heckam reverse mortgages have government reverse mortgage insurance on them. That insurance policy that is on all these reverse mortgages will settle. It's almost like gap insurance for your car, Steve. Mm -hmm. right? You total your car, you owe $20,000, the insurance yeah. company cuts you a check for 15, that $5,000 gap is covered. Reverse mortgages work the same way. So you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you can take a reverse mortgage out. And if at some point there is a market correction and you do owe more than what the value of the home is at the time of death, your heirs can simply walk away or they have the option to buy it back at 95% of the value. One of the reasons why I asked that is back in 2008, one of my clients who had a reverse mortgage passed away. And the reverse mortgage was actually like $450,000. And after 2008, the house value, when they appraised it was 195,000. When the heirs were looking at just dumping it saying, hey, fine. But when I explained to them, I said, you can get a house for $195,000 and let it grow. And they went, oh my. And basically they bought the house for 195 and sold it a few, a few years later for twice that much. So they were in a wonderful position when that occurred, and it's a great option. One of the questions I do have is this. In this world, you have divorces, okay? And this question has come up probably, I probably have 30 of these questions. Divorce rates in California are at 50%. If it's a second divorce and they're older than 55, it's at 72%. What's the effect of reverse mortgage and somebody receiving income if there's a, I want to say a gray hair or silver hair divorce? I love that question, Steve. So we have a partnership with the IDFA, the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts. We're working with financial analysts that specialize in senior divorce, and we're helping them use reverse mortgage loans to navigate their clients' financial woes while they're going through these divorces. And so 
We're using the reverse mortgage as a tool to divide the marital home and, and use that equity for one person to remain in the home while the other leaves the home. We're also using it, Steve. We just had a, a, you know, a case like this uh, not too long ago where the couple sold their home for $300,000. They both put down $150,000 on two separate $300,000 homes. And they bought those homes with a reverse mortgage. You can actually use a reverse mortgage loan, Steve, to purchase a home in retirement. Most folks don't even realize that. Most realtors don't realize that. Um, so it's a very effective strategy. And it's one that we are deploying quite a bit as we work through the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts to help their clients ease the financial difficulties of gray or silver divorce. You know what? I just want to add this. Over the years, there's a number of clients that have come to me and they've come to me because they're trying to find a way to make retirement work and they've overspent or overhelped a child or something like that. And we've gotten in contact with a reverse mortgage specialist for the primary reason. In one case, the couple actually took out a jumbo reverse mortgage, but they were able to eliminate their current mortgage payment, which is a little over $2,500, which was the gap they needed to make their retirement work for the rest of their life. And then they had an equity line left over that they were going to use in case some health issues ramped up on them. And they were just going to let that grow until it was there. That was probably 12 years ago. And they let that thing grow. I think it's like a little over a half million dollars. And they started tapping into it because of home care needs. So they're going to have more than enough to do it. And they're so thankful that I said, hey, look at considering getting a reverse mortgage because this is what you need. So they were able to prolong their life have the retirement that they want and now being able to take care of somebody just because they looked at what you talked about, strategically tapping into that asset, which is their house equity. And look, Steve, I mean, the bottom line is there's over $9 trillion of senior housing wealth that is not being used right now. Reverse mortgage is just one way to use it. There's other options. There's traditional mortgages. There's traditional home equity lines of credit. However, the difference with the reverse mortgage is there's no mandatory payment obligation. So if you're in your 60s or you're in your 70s and you're looking to take funds from the equity in your home, would you rather do it and not have to pay those funds back, not have a mandatory mortgage payment? Or would you rather be saddled with a 15, 20, or 30-year mortgage payment and have to come out of pocket with that payment every month and, and until you're in your 90s in some mm -hmm. cases. And so oftentimes it makes more sense to take out a reverse mortgage. But again, it's all about education and it's about weighing the options and what works for some may not work for others. And that's where we come in to help them figure that out. One of the things that I have found as of recent, a lot of people are in situations like in states like California, Illinois, New York, where the cost of living's got pretty expensive. Their only options are to sell and downsize or move out of state, or they look at getting that reverse mortgage just to free up that money that they need to make their life work. I think what you do is noble. I think what you're doing right now with educating everybody is very, very important and is needed. And that said, we're about to wrap up our segment with you. Could you tell us how people can get a hold of you, how they can go get your videos so they can get educated and get the help they're looking for? Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. So my firm's name is the Stephen J. Sless Group. It's the Stephen J. Sless Group. We are the reverse mortgage division for primary residential mortgage. We have branches 
in all 50 states throughout the country. You can reach us by phone. Our number is 410-814-7575. 410-814-7575. Or online at the Sless Group, the Sless, S-L-E-S-S group.com. On YouTube is where all our videos are as well. And we have a lot of educational content on there. If you just go on YouTube and search the Stephen J. Sless Group, you'll pull up our content. If you get there, I'd appreciate if you like the videos. And if you want to be notified when we put out more content, just subscribe and hit the bell at the top. And every time we release a new video, you'll get to know. Hey, folks, the first thing of learning anything new is getting education. They've got a great resource at theslesgroup.com. So you want to go out there and look at it. If you're looking to get a hold of Steve, definitely go to that website. Steve, I want to thank you for joining us. Hey, stay safe, stay healthy. We have a lot more questions to get answered. So we're probably going to have to circle back in a few months and have you back on. Is that okay? Okay. I'd love to. I appreciate the opportunity. You're doing great work, Steve. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Steve. I've heard too many Steves today. And it's a great name you have. So, hey, we'll <laughs> look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for sticking with us today. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. That was Steve Slavs. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton.